Welcome to the Mommy Sober Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Berkeley Boren. Inspired by my own journey from mommy wine culture to mommy sober culture, I want to explore our personal and cultural relationships with alcohol and sobriety. We'll look at not only the role that alcohol plays in our lives, but also self-care, wellness and spirituality, motherhood, and sisterhood. I hope that through this podcast, you realize that you are not alone in this journey. And I hope we have some fun along the way. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Mommy Sober Culture. This episode, we are going to talk about your brain, about neuroplasticity, and how your brain works, and how you can use that uh, to make lasting change in your life. I have another episode that I talked about the hierarchy of change and lasting change. And this episode is just going to delve a little bit deeper about how you can use your brain and your brain structure to change your life. Uh, The power of your brain can be used to change anything in your life and can be this, these principles can be applied to anything in your life. I use these principles as well as the hierarchy of change uh, to change my life, to change my beliefs about alcohol, to change my beliefs about myself. And my hope is that you can listen to these episodes and feel like you can apply some of this knowledge and some of these principles to change your life and your beliefs about alcohol and your beliefs about yourself and, and maybe apply this to a lot of different areas in your life like I have. First, before we delve into neuroplasticity, we're going to talk about the effect that your mind can have on your body. Uh, there's something called the placebo effect. The placebo effect is a widely studied thing. They study it in medicines. And it is basically the power of belief and how your beliefs affect what you experience. We know that by believing and expecting something to work, it actually does. In studies, the placebo effect proves that one pain pill, one placebo pain pill, proves half as effective as an aspirin and relieves pain half as well as morphine. So how does that work? Morphine is way stronger than aspirin. But if you give someone a placebo pill and they believe that it will work, it can work half as well as aspirin, but also half as well as morphine. The effects of placebos are stronger when the pill taken is bigger, when the placebo pill is bigger. Also, the placebo pills prove to be more effective when the participant takes two pills instead of one, or if they take the placebo twice a day instead of once a day. Blue placebos are better as downers, whereas red placebos work better as uppers. People can also get hooked on placebos. That's crazy. A group of women took placebos for five years. And after they came off of them, 40% of the women suffered withdrawal symptoms after getting off the placebo. 
So it isn't about what's in the placebo, but it's about the belief that we attach to it. Our minds create the medicine. There's nothing in those placebos that should affect us physically. And yet, because of the belief and expectation that we attach to whatever placebo we're getting, we do have a physical effect. So how does this tie into alcohol? Well, the bad effects of alcohol are proven. Those aren't placebos. Those are scientific proof, kind of like the effects of morphine. We can see that alcohol is a downer, that it's a poison, that it is a carcinogen. All of those are scientific. But what about the good effects of alcohol? Does alcohol relax you? Well, sure, alcohol is a depressant. But how is it that after you take your first drink of alcohol, you know, you get that glass of wine or you get that drink and you take the first drink and you feel a little bit more relaxed. Why is that? That alcohol hasn't entered your system yet, nor is it really enough to affect you. It's one drink. It hasn't gotten into your blood. But so many people say, and I've said it too, you just take that first drink and it relaxes you. That's the placebo effect. That's the effect of our mind. So how can we use that in our favor? Well, if we take away the beliefs and the expectations that we have regarding alcohol, and it takes work, that it is the only thing that can help us relax, that it is the only thing that can help us wind down, or the only way we can enjoy a vacation or enjoy a night out. We take away those beliefs surrounding it and the expectations surrounding it, and it no longer has the same effect on us. Now, with these beliefs that we place and expectations that we place on alcohol, that's where neuroplasticity comes in. Neuroplasticity is the science behind the wiring and rewiring of your brain. The brain is constantly strengthening and weakening neural connections, depending on which ones are being used and which ones are unnecessary. So if you think of your brain as this big dynamic power grid and different rows on the power grid are lighting up at different places every time you do something or feel something or think something. Some of these pathways on this power grid are well-traveled. They are well-supplied. These are our habits. These are things that we think or feel or do often. And every time you think in a certain way or do a certain thing or feel a certain emotion, these pathways are strengthened. And then it becomes easier for your brain to travel that pathway. Say you choose a new emotion or do a new task or think about something differently, then you start to carve out a new pathway. The more you think this thing, do this thing, or feel this thing, the stronger those connections, the stronger that pathway becomes, and then it becomes more like second nature. I'm going to read you a little bit of a page of a book by Dawson Church called Mind to Matter. It says, studies published in the 1990s stunned neuroscientists with findings that even people in their 80s rapidly add capacity to frequently used neural circuits. It said, 
When neurons in a neural bundle are stimulated repeatedly, the number of synaptic connections can double in just an hour. If your house, say, acted like your body, it would notice the lights that you were turning on, and every hour it would double the amount of electrical conduit going to that light circuit. To obtain the raw materials to rewire the rooms in which you turned the lights on the most, your home would strip the wiring from other sources. Our bodies do the same. Within three weeks of inactivity, an existing neural signaling pathway, the body starts to disassemble it in order to reuse those building blocks for active circuits. This was a stunner because not so long ago, scientists believed that you couldn't change your brain after childhood, that by the time you were an adult, your brain was kind of fixed. But these studies on neuroplasticity show that that's not true at all. So this tells us if we keep telling ourselves things about alcohol and things about ourselves with relation to alcohol, we're creating these pathways in our brain and it just makes it easier to travel down those pathways. Every time you repeat something to yourself like, I can't have fun without alcohol. I can't go on a vacation without alcohol. I can't sleep without alcohol. I can't relax without alcohol. I'm not funny without alcohol. Boo doesn't taste good without alcohol. This isn't fun without alcohol. I can't have sex without alcohol. All of these things that we tell ourselves over and over and over, we create pathways in our brain, strengthening those connections, making them true. But it's such good news to know that we can change that. We can have a different thought. We can literally rewire our brain in a new direction. There's an author called Joe Dispenza, and I'll link his books below. And I love all of his books, but he has a common saying that he says, neurons that fire together, wire together. So if you're conscious about your thoughts, and if you're conscious about your beliefs regarding yourself and regarding alcohol, those neurons will start wiring together. And you have to stay conscious. You have to think about what you're thinking about. And then those new, new neural pathways will start to form. We have to disconnect the neurons that are associated with limiting beliefs on ourselves and connect the ones associating with, associated with empowering beliefs. This can take repetition. It does take repetition and it takes time. But it's not only possible, it's scientifically proven. Your mind is always adapting. It's never stagnant. So you can use this to your advantage. And that's what I did. That's why people say the longer you go alcohol-free, the easier it gets. Because it's genuinely true. When you're first deciding, you know what, I'm not going to drink anymore. You have these habits, right? And for me, the habits were a little bit scary because I decided I wasn't going to drink anymore. But then I was a little bit shocked about how much I thought about drinking because it was a habit. Now, alcohol, and I've talked about this in, in previous podcasts, it is an addictive substance that's scientifically proven. We do have to overcome that. And there are people who are addicted in a way that their body is addicted, chemically addicted, and they need help coming off of alcohol. 
by medical professionals. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about people who have a habit of alcohol, who maybe have a what they would consider a drinking problem, and whatever that means to you is what that means to you. Some people, a drinking problem means they're drunk from sun up to sundown. Some people, a drinking problem means I drank on Tuesday and I didn't plan on drinking on Tuesday and that's concerning to me. But when you first stop drinking, you realize what a habit it's become and how much of your brain has been wired around needing alcohol. I realized I was thinking about it quite a bit and I didn't know that I thought about it that much because when I thought about it, I just did it. I thought about wine. I just went and got some wine And that was a habit that I was forming. It was a circuit in my brain that I was connecting more and more and more and more and more. So my brain was literally wired to think, date night, I need alcohol. Vacation, got to have alcohol. Tuesday, probably alcohol. But when I stopped drinking, well, before I stopped drinking and I started noticing things about alcohol that I didn't like, things like And I've said this before, that it didn't make me a better mother, a better wife, a better human. And then I cut alcohol out. That's when I could really clearly see how deeply ingrained these thoughts were and these habits were in my life and all of my limiting beliefs about alcohol, how I felt like I couldn't do certain things without alcohol, how I felt like I needed alcohol to relax or to have a nice dinner. Does alcohol actually add to your dinner? No. But for some reason, it's wired in us, and we strengthen that thought that we need alcohol to have some fancy dinner. But it wasn't until I stopped drinking that I could really see these thoughts and these beliefs for what they were. And that's, you know, when they say admitting it is the first first step. That's really because... The first step is being able to take stock of your beliefs and see yourself clearly and see your thought patterns clearly, and then you can begin to change them. And there's the hope is that you can change them. Everybody can change them and it doesn't matter your age and it doesn't matter how strong those neural connections are. They can be changed and they will change. You just have to be conscious about your thinking and your thoughts beliefs and your attitudes towards alcohol and towards yourself. Now that takes research, that takes listening to podcasts, that takes reading books, that takes constant monitoring of your thoughts at first. But with time and effort, you can rewire those connections to where your first thought is to not reach for alcohol. Your first instinct to relax is to not have a drink. And I've said this before, when I first stopped drinking, I had to talk myself out of having a drink. I'd be like, well, it's date night. So of course I'm gonna have a drink. But then I would have to say, no, you don't need a drink. You don't need a drink to have a fun date night. You don't need a drink to have a fancy dinner. But since I actively thought a different thought and created different pathways over and over and over, over time, now I would have to convince myself to have a drink. My first instinct, my habit now is to reach for Topo Chico. 
My first instinct is to not want a drink and not care to have a drink and not need a drink. Another part of your neuroplasticity is one thing called mirror neurons. Neurons that fire based on what they see external to us. And that's everything that we interact with. So, you know, they say you are what you eat. Um, you become what you see. Your neurons are influenced by what you consume. So while you're being extra vigilant about your thoughts, while you are thinking about what you're thinking and changing those pathways and thinking a new thought and feeling a new feeling, also be intentional about what you're consuming and who you're hanging around with. Not saying you can't hang around with people that drink. I hang around with people that drink all the time. Most of my friends still drink. But especially in the beginning when you are starting to form these new pathways, I would say be careful about what you're consuming and who you're hanging around with. That's what they talk about books, Quitlet, uh, podcasts, TV shows, things like that that influence you in a positive way where your mirror neurons can start to mirror those messages instead of the messages of the world and the propaganda of big alcohol that you need it. So to summarize, your mind can literally physically affect you like a placebo. Your mind can use anything as a placebo and does use anything, including alcohol, to make you feel the way you expect and believe it's going to make you feel. And your brain is ever-changing. Your brain is neuroplastic. You can change your brain. It takes consciousness. It takes thinking about what you're thinking. It takes thinking new thoughts and exploring your old thoughts about alcohol and your relationship with alcohol, your relationship with yourself. And it can be done. Science tells us that your brain can and does change all the time. So you can change it. I hope that this episode encourages you. I'm going to link some books below about neuroplasticity and rewiring your brain. These principles, like I said, can be used in anything in your life. I've applied them to alcohol, but they can be applied to any area of your life that you want to change. You can change your whole life by changing your thoughts, beliefs, and expectations about your life and being conscious about what you're thinking, doing, and feeling all the time. Here's to always changing. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy Sober Culture. My hope is that after listening to each episode, you come away feeling encouraged, hopeful, and seen. If you enjoy this content, be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you'll be the first to know every week when the new episode drops. Also, if you have any questions or anything you'd like me to talk about, please feel free to email me at burkebrin at manifesting-mama.com. I'll link it below. Have a great day.